Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be I think what this is telling me is I need to confess my sin before the Lord and get in order. Men, let's get in order. Lead your families. Don't neglect them. God has ordained a family order. And so now they're back in order, and they're going to do some good things. Judges 20 and 29. Then Israel set men in ambush all around Gebeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as at other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at the other times in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah, and in the field about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are defeated before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce. But the Benjamites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites. All these drew the sword. Okay, now did you notice that this time, the third time, they're not fighting the same way that they tried the two times before? Remember the first two times before, they, or, or verse 30 says, uh, they, they got back into the exact same battle array that they had done the first two times. But this time they implemented a change. That's the big kicker. Now that their, re, their relationship is restored with God, now something different happened, didn't it? Oh, I'm telling you guys, when you have your relationships restored with God, you cannot and will not walk the same way you've always walked. You will change. And if you have not changed, I question your relationship with God in the first place. But they implemented a change. They added an ambush around the city of Gibeah. They made the Benjamites think that they were repeating the same old, same old, didn't they? (laughs) What this shows us is that Israel's newly restored relationship with God now comes with God's leadership. Now, they made the Benjamites think they were doing the same thing all over again, but they're now in order. They now have godly leadership. You know, getting godly leadership will cause you to think different than before. Judges 20 and 36. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah. 
The men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Now, the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now, Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 of the men of Israel, for they said, surely they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw that disaster had come upon them. Therefore, they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them, and whoever came out of the cities they destroyed in their midst. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, and easily, do you see that? Easily trampled them down as far as the front of Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. Then they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon, and they cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up to Gidom and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor, but 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon and stayed at the rock of Rimon for four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city, men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. Poof! Ray, this sounds pretty barbaric. Yeah, sin is barbaric. The crucifixion that saved us was barbaric. Okay, so the Benjamites, they got real confident, didn't they? And so they ran out from the safety of their city. The ambush came in, and they set fire to the city, and that was the signal for Israel to reverse their retreat. They're, they're retreating, and it's like, we're waiting on that smoke. That's the signal. There's the smoke. Stop retreating. Turn around. And you got these surprised Benjamites with their back to you. That's how it said they easily struck them down. It's pretty easy to take somebody down when they're like this. They're not looking at you, right? That's a pretty easy target. Let's look at what happened here overall in closing here. We've seen that those who humbly confess their sin before the Lord have the assurance of victory. You've got to humble down. You have to humble down. That's hard. Well, I don't want to let go of all... You gotta. You have to. Well, I don't want to let it go. That's going to be a much tougher humbling. Those who confess humbly their sin before the Lord have the assurance of victory. But those who will not confess, in this case the Benjamites, those who will not confess will be judged, executed judgment upon them. Now we also learn that there is no victory until, until your relationship is restored back to the Lord. No matter how big and no matter how superior your numbers are, no matter how much money you have or how certain and secure your career is, no, how, no matter how much everything seems to be in your favor, and no matter how many times you try, you will always suffer defeat every single time until you get your relationship back in order with the Lord God. It will always fail. Well, maybe that's what's wrong with me, Ray. Good, I'm glad you're seeing it. <laughs> you might be thinking, Ray, 
This is me right now. No matter what I do, I lose. No matter what I do, it hurts. No matter what, where's the victory in my life? What can I do? You may ask. You can do what Israel did. Here are four things I want to give you. Number one, unity. Unity. At first, they had unity only to accuse others, but they were divided before God. Their unity was wrong. They needed to focus their unity in the right direction. Psalm 133 and 1 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for all brethren to dwell together in unity. You know those people who say, I love God, but they refuse to hang out with other believers? You know, those people that do that. These people say, oh, you don't have to go to church to be saved. You don't have to go to church to be saved. Technically, they're right. You can get saved anywhere. But if you refuse to walk in unity in the body of Christ, you are setting yourself up for defeat so easy. And they wonder, why does this always happen to me? Do you reject the assembly of the house of God? Because the body of Christ is what? The body of Christ. You're rejecting Christ. I'm not saying you have to go to church to be saved, but what I'm saying is, in saying that, you're rejecting the unity. That's your problem. We can help you. True salvation will cause you to desire godly fellowship, not reject it. Imagine if the men on the battlefield had said, you don't have to go to the house of God to win. Apparently they did. Refusing to assemble before the Lord demonstrates a heart that rejects the very God so many people claim they love. Everybody says, I love God, I love God. Just because I don't do what God says doesn't mean I don't love God. (laughs) Can you hear that logic? Doesn't make any sense. Defeat's yours. Or victory is yours. Depends. Get your heart right and you'll love the fellowship. The second thing that Israel had was godly sorrow. I want you to look at verse 26. If you got a pen, if you have a highlighter, I want you to underline. I want you to highlight, draw explosions next to it, whatever it takes for you to get it. I don't care. It says in verse 26, they went up to the house of God and wept. They wept. Friends, do y'all forget ever, because I do, do you ever forget that we are the ones that are the sinner? I forget. Sometimes I think I'm Mr. Perfect, and I forget I'm the sinner. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Well, that's pretty extreme, Ray. Yeah, it is. That's why I'm standing up here proclaiming this message. Now, I want you to notice in that verse, there are two different sorrows listed. One is worldly and one is godly. The first time that Israel charged at the Benjamites, they ran at them with the wrong kind of sorrow, didn't they? They had the wrong sorrow. Give us the perverted men of Gibeah. We're going to make you pay for what you've done. They were hurt. They had the wrong sorrow. It was worldly sorrow because they were angry. And what did it produce? It produced death. Thousands died. Thousands were killed. If Israel had begun with godly sorrow, things would have turned out very different, wouldn't it? Thousands of people would have been spared. Now, if you are under a tremendous burden today, perhaps it's time for you to exchange your worldly sorrow for godly sorrow. 
Maybe it's time to swap that sorrow out. And instead of being mad at other people, and instead of being in pain over your situation, and mad and distressed and worried about my finances and all this worldly sorrow, maybe you should confess before the Lord, God, I am a sinner. Oh, I don't have enough money. i got to get out there and make that money. You're just one of those men on the battlefield. Wait a minute. Leave the battlefield alone for a minute. God's got that. Get over here, lead your family, get in order, weep and repent and get before the Lord and fast and say, God, I am a sinner. And then he can change the whole dynamic. You got to give that worldly sorrow up and exchange it for godly sorrow. Get your sorrow right. Godly sorrow is what produces repentance. Repentance is the change. Repentance is turning around. Remember the first two times they went up to fight? They went up the same way. But when they got before the Lord and repented, now the change came in. They added an ambush, and that gave them a guaranteed win. You will not have a guaranteed win, victory in your life, until you really repent before the Lord. You can't say, well, I love God and I'm saved now, but still be doing the same battle array that you've been trying for your whole life. It's not going to work. Get off the battlefield for a minute. Give time to God and get before Him and say, God, I'm sorry. Oh, my situation, my situation. Uh Uh-uh. I'm the situation. I'm the sinner. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. And God goes, I will change your situation. Oh, isn't that good? So good. The third thing they did. Oh, I'm just getting started up. We're going to be in here for another 40 minutes. Just kidding. Just kidding. The third thing they did was prayer and fasting. Fasting goes with it. Verse 26 says, Israel fasted. And that comes with prayer. I want to remind you about a story that happened in Matthew 17. The disciples tried to cast a demon out of somebody, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus cast it out. And this is what he said about it. In Matthew 17, 20, he says, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Israel had a demonic problem, didn't they? In the land, these men raped and killed this man's wife. But until they fasted and prayed before the Lord, they could not get it out of there. It applies to us today. We got some similar problems. We got things going on. We just I just can't get it out. Maybe you need to fast and pray. You should fast and pray. That problem that won't leave, get right before the Lord. Repent. Stop playing around the battlefield. You already messed up enough times, okay? It's not working. Get off of there. Get before the Lord. Weep. I'm the sinner. I'm sorry. Repent. Let that change be implemented, and you'll get a victory, and now you can fast and pray that problem out. Why fast? Fasting is the expression of bending your heart before God. That's what fasting does. You've been fighting a losing battle for a long time. And you've been fighting it with the same battle plan over and over the same way. Friends, hear me. The battle can wait for now. Jesus already has that one anyway. Your time is much better spent if you will get off the battlefield to fast and pray, and then he can give you a new way, a new strategy with a change that comes with the assurance of victory. So good.
The fourth thing they did was offerings. Offerings. Verse 26, Israel made offerings. What were offerings for? Offerings were made for atonement. Atonement. Atonement means compensation, covering the covering of sins. The reason they gave offerings was an expression, Lord, cover my sins. How did they start out? Oh, Benjamin, oh, you bad boys, we're going to make you pay. You're going to pay. But now they're doing offerings. Now it's, Lord, cover my sins. Did you see that? Oh, that's so good. Please forgive my sins. You know, you can't go and demand others to get right before God if you won't do it yourself. You can't. Because that's called a hypocrite. And I struggle hard with that because I don't want to get up here and belt out a message and be a hypocrite before God. God deals with me harshly before every message. You can't tell others to get right before God if you won't do it. And that's what Israel was doing to Benjamin. And I believe that the purpose of Israel's first two defeats was to humble them down to admitting that they're a sinner also so that they could be restored back to God, so that they could be led by God. They didn't know to put up an ambush until they got right with God. Then the ambush idea came from God. God is now leading them. Psalm 23 and 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You want God to lead you? All right. This is how you do it. Give up that battlefield and ask God what to do and get right with Him. One last thing I want to say here that really got to me as I was studying this. If you look at verse 28, it says, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before the Ark of the Covenant in those days. I believe that Phinehas, the priest, I believe he was very instrumental in Israel's restoration in his service work before the Ark of the Lord. I think he helped them get back to God with his service time as a priest there. And Phineas is the same guy that served during Moses' time. You may remember there was some sexual immorality while they were still in the wilderness. This man and woman decided, hey, we're going to do what we want to do, and they ran off together in the tent. Phineas says, I ain't having it. He ran into the tent behind them with a spear, and he thrust them both through in one hit while they were right in the act. Okay, same guy. That's this guy. Now, he experienced that way back then. He's already seen Moses die. He's now seen Joshua uh, pass away. Now, can you imagine how painful his priest work has been for all these years, watching Israel just go down the drain all this time? How painful it must have been for him as a priest until finally, finally, now today, Israel has turned around to have their relationship restored with the Lord, and Phinehas is still there. He's still there at the ark. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't leave. He never gave up in his commitment serving God in Israel, even though they had been going for years down a bad spiral. And so now he gets to witness Israel's turnaround. I want to encourage, not like I'm the most experienced guy, but I want to encourage other pastors. I want to encourage other ministers. I want to encourage any other servants out there that's doing the hard work of ministry, and that even applies to you. I know it's hard, but don't give up. Don't give up on the people that God has entrusted you with. Don't quit. Stay committed in your calling. Someday you will witness a great restoration just like this. That day will come. Phineas saw it, and you will too. Isn't that good?
Let me close up. Don't run with the wrong sorrow. Don't run with the wrong unity either. Don't get all together with your buddies. Let's go out. Let's go do this tonight. Well, let's go get together with my buddies and let's go that tonight and do that little thing that you know God is telling you you need to stop doing. Don't do that. You know it. I don't have to tell you. Right now, you're feeling conviction that's not from me. I didn't name a thing. You know what it is. You know what it is. You're in unity, but you're in the wrong unity, and therefore you're experiencing the wrong sorrow. You need to trade that for unity and and godliness and righteousness and get the sorrow of being a sinner and get down on your knees before God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I messed up. And God will say, now we're going to implement the change, and now you're going to have victory in your life. That's how you start to win. Jesus Christ won that victory already. It's already available to you. The only reason you don't have it is because you've got the wrong sorrow. Don't let worldly sorrow own you. Exchange it for godly sorrow. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Father, thank you for Judges 20. Lord, I pray for all the ministers, all the pastors out there. That, Lord, they're quitting. Lord, I've seen the numbers. Hundreds, thousands quit per month. They give up and they throw in the towel because it's too hard. And they see the America is going down the drain. We're divided right down the middle. Everybody's fighting. And Lord, they're getting caught up in the worldly sorrow. Show them how to pick up godly sorrow. Lord, we don't need to unite against that other party that has it all wrong. What we need to do, Lord, is unite together in your fellowship and go and tell people the gospel to be saved. That's the unity we need. We want to exchange our unity and our sorrow. We want to get down before you and say, Lord, I know there's a lot of people doing a lot of stupid stuff out there, but Lord, I am a sinner. I've done my own part. Forgive me. Forgive me for my sins. And thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in my place to pay in one day what would have taken me an eternity to pay for myself in hell. You did so that I don't have to go through that. Lord, for anybody here who's been struggling with the gospel, and what is salvation really? It's simply this. We messed up, God came to save us, and he paid for our way out. That's it. So, Lord God, I'm going to pray on behalf of anybody who needs to hear this. Father, I'm a sinner. I messed up. I want your victory. I don't just want it in salvation. I want it even down here, everyday life. Lord, I've been pained. I have been stressed, but it's the wrong sorrow. I exchange that now, Lord, for the sorrow that I violated your law. I sinned against you. Lord, the battlefield can wait for right now. I know you've got got that. I give my life to you. I give up the battlefield. I surrender. I give it all to you. Thank you for taking it for me and give me your free gift of grace, eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. The king of all creation left his throne for me. Thank you. I'll take you up on it. I'm yours. Show me what to do now. I'm not going to get in the same battle array again. I wait for your instruction for that change. I repent and turn around. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.